Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. Now, with Brexit, fuel prices, and global issues with supply chains, it's been a tricky time for people who transfer our goods around the country and indeed across our seas. So, for this week's industry review, we're looking at the business of haulage and freight. I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Toner, Managing Director of Toner's Transport, James Quinn of James Quinn Transport, and Aidan Flynn is the CEO of the Freight Transport Association of Ireland. We're also joined on the line, uh, put on your headphones there, folks, because we're joined on the line by Eugene Drennan. He's the former president of the Road Haulage Association. So you're all very welcome. Eugene, I'm going to start with you because then I'll let you go. But I was hoping that maybe you might give us an overview um, as to how Irish haulage companies are faring right now. Let's start on the, on a positive. There are more people employed in the haulage business than there are in farming across the country, I'm told. So surely it's a good business to be in. Yes, uh, Bobby, sure. And any times uh, there are challenges, and these are challenging times in, in certain ways to hauliers, it is good for business. It's a good time to be in business, but costs are very high. We're suffering from the post-COVID uh, syndrome of no appreciation for work and hard to get people to work. We're shortage of drivers and we're riddled with uh, regulations everywhere and the costs are very high. You may have seen the SRI report during the week, uh, Professor Peter Nunn. He was very um, definite to say that in any taxations or classifications for alternative fuels that we should take cognizance of the supply chain and try and keep it at a low cost and try and keep the supply chain uh, in good fettle for okay. Ireland. So, so if, we, if we take costs, Eugene, in, in, in most businesses, and it's not always possible, but, you know, the costs are ultimately borne by the consumer. And we've seen, if we talk about the price of a 40-foot container coming from China or wherever it's coming from, you know, going from 8,000 up to 40,000. So is the consumer not paying here? Consumers paying a certain amount of that, and definitely in the, on the international side of containers coming or go, it's take it or leave it. But in some of those cases, when that happened, uh, the diverse, diverse away from China, it lost a good bit of market share, and that has now gone back down to where it was before. But for us, for the last mile, either coming to this island or on this island, for us to get increases has been very, very difficult. And the layers of cost put on by the state here and by regulation has been uh, disproportionate. Okay. Well, okay, I'm going to go back to studio now and talk to our three guests, uh, Paul Toner from Toner's Transport, James Quinn of James, James Quinn Transport, and Aidan Flynn, indeed, the CEO of the Freight Transport Association of Ireland. Aidan, I might start with you. How is the Freight Transport Association of Ireland different from the Irish Road Haulage Association? Well, we're a representative trade association for the freight distribution logistics sector. So we have members in the national and international freight uh, haulage sec- section, but we also have uh, own account members in the agri-food sector, retail distribution, uh, international, global supply chain. Not to tell you your business, but yeah. would we not be better off with one organisation? Well, look, we, we can all add value, I suppose, in different in different ways. Uh, we're very, very focused, I suppose, in terms of compliance, operational compliance um, and professionalisation of the industry. Um, so we, we talk to talk and walk to walk through our truck safe van safe, passenger safe standards. We're also uh, participants in the Logistics Supply Chain Skills Group, which is chaired by the Department of Transport with a key focus 
on solutions for the skills shortage. And some of the stuff that Eugene was mentioning there, of course, <coughs> is, is massively important. Uh, but the biggest issue for our members is, is skills shortage issues. OK, well, let's have a look at that for a minute. Uh, maybe we'll come back to that in a second, because I'd like the two lads maybe to introduce their businesses for us first, and then we'll look at the issues. So uh, firstly to you, Paul, yes, uh, a business that's fourth generations now, uh, started by your great-grandparents. Yes. Uh, so tell us a little bit about Toner's Transport, if you would. Yeah, Toner's Transport started back in 1900, the early 1900s in Dublin 8 in Newport Street and with my grandparents and my father took it over then and ran it from a horse and cart business to a truck business in yeah. the 50s. He started with um, good customers and it just grew from there and I've been in the business now since... I left school at 15 and it's a, it's a long haul. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in terms of the, the sort of typical sectors that you operate in, yes. like who do you haul goods for predominantly? Um, Smurfit Kappa would be our, one of our largest customers. My dad formed a partnership with Smurfits back in the, the 50s and uh, we're very proud of that. And Gypsum, Gypsum Ireland. Rock Ireland. So long-standing relationships going back generations. Generations, absolutely. yeah, which yeah. is a wonderful, yeah. uh, I suppose, testament to your business yes, and absolutely. and your customers, which is great. Absolutely. Okay, absolutely. stay with us. Uh, I want to introduce an old friend of mine, uh, James Quinn. Uh, again, he's of the class of '78 of Castlenock College, mm-hmm. as myself. And uh, it's good to see you again, Jimmy. And you're you very well. welcome to the program. Thank you. Tell us a bit about James Quinn Transport. Well, I basically do the stuff nobody else wants to be bothered with, to tell you the truth. <laughs> if it won't fit in a container and you want to go to the far side of Europe, I'm your man. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very challenging business that excites me every day uh, because we handle, we've tapped into the data centre business and it's not appreciated at home just how important that the, the Irish companies in the construction sphere have migrated into Europe. I mean, we've been in every data centre in Europe. There's one of them up near the North Pole, up at the Arctic Circle. Uh, there's Hamina in Finland there's a couple there's a big cluster in Frankfurt there's a bunch of them in Paris and Holland is where we got our big break from Eamon Malloy it was RMI it's now silent there so so you found you've carved out a niche in the data centre and what are you moving if you don't mind me asking between data centres well we actually shifted a whole 150 loads of oversized concrete panels to one in Frankfurt which is an ironic shipping uh, concrete from from uh, O'Reilly's in Monaghan to wow. uh, to Frankfurt, and we did the oversized bits, and we've a lot of very specialist equipment. And I won a trailer sitting out in Dublin, waiting to go to Frankfurt tomorrow morning. And the piece on it is uh, sixteen meters long by four wide by four high, which is as big as you can move really. Wow! At about thirty ton in in in, in weight. So it, it the planning on that is phenomenal because we have to secure permits to get us really from door to door with escorts. And, and you're also talking about high value uh, in in certain huge, cases, high yeah. value parts. Yeah, all that kind of we stuff. also shift aero engines. We had one on a month ago. It was worth twenty five million euro. Stop. So that's okay. a big headache if you throw it over the hedge. But <laughs> all right. thankfully our records. Let, let's go back to Aidan Flynn and talk about maybe some of the issues within the within the sector and we'll start with the staff shortage and you might explain maybe to us in layman's language Aidan so uh, obviously you need a license to drive a truck and there are various licenses in various jurisdictions and there are various routes to getting licenses so you're you're, you're telling me there's a skills shortage firstly how, how acute 
is that skill shortage? Well, well, I suppose everything we, we need to do is, is go back and look on, on research and what's published there. And I suppose Forfoss carried out a report in 2015, which was the re- first report in this country that looked at supply chain logistics industry and jobs. And it was followed up with a 2018 Addressing Future Skills Needs report as helping us prepare for Brexit, which identified around 50,000 uh, job shortages in the industry, with around six, six and a half thousand of those shortages uh, in the driver space. So, uh, and again, I know, uh, tell me how it works around. If I am from Romania or if I'm from Georgia and I have a truck licence, is it, is, it, is it valid here? Uh, all European countries have valid to work here. Okay. okay so from, from an Irish uh, perspective, we first look nationally and then we look at European-wide. So we have a market of 500 million to look. But there's an acute shortage all around Europe. So then there's a non-EU work permit for HGV driver licence on the general employment permit regime, which is very onerous. It's not really working that well. It's improved a little bit because you're not just looking at the permit piece which works quite well, but you're actually looking at the licence exchange. Okay. And there's very limited exchange arrangements in place okay. between Ireland. So, Aidan, you're battling with government and bureaucracy and all that stuff. And in practical terms, Paul, yes. in, in terms of attracting and retaining drivers, how, how big is the problem? It is. It's getting bigger again. It, it relaxed there for a few years, but we're fortunate in the sense we'd have 30 of our 40 drivers are with us 10 years plus and they're really... Good people, good loyal people, but yeah. there's a transient. Uh, it's like a revolving door. The back, yeah. the back end of it that people are in and around. Well, uh, a couple of things. Like it's 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 probably a tough job uh, if you're no if you're doubt. hauling goods yeah. across Europe and you're the only guy on the on board. You have a pretty big responsibility in terms of getting what your your, your cargo from A to B. And, Absolutely, yeah. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I suggest that you want people who A, know what they're doing and people that you can rely on. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. like when somebody is making a long haul uh, trip from your, your yard to somewhere in Europe, they're pretty much on their own, are they? Very much so. They're always supported by the, by the, the team in the office. But uh, thankfully now, from our business, we don't go to Europe. We are 32 county Ireland. And uh, even that in itself throws up enough challenges yeah. without yeah. Jimmy... Is the man? Well, and, well let's just you, I'll, I'll come to the second, yeah. Aiden, But tell us, Jimmy, about about the, that very fact. So, so we're Aidan is telling us there. There's a shortage of drivers on the ground in terms of attracting and retaining drivers. How challenging is it for in, in terms of you running your business? Yeah, it's very challenging, and you really have to be uh, on top of your game as regards the equipment they have, the backup they have. I mean, we've got an office presence from seven to seven, and the phone. There's somebody manning a phone around the clock. A lot of our stuff moves at night. We have to be on the road at night because of the traffic congestion issues and the width we're at. We'd be uh, we'd be at that kind of stuff. But the biggest problem uh, we have at the minute is, is actually prejudice induced in the, in the issue of getting round uh, England. It's so difficult to transit uh, England compared to what we used to do. I mean, imagine any business going back to work the way they used to do in the 90s. Yeah. I mean, when the single market came in, we went from having reams of paperwork if you're going, I was hauling food Italy at the time, with health certs and invoices and T1s and documents and all kinds of stuff. And suddenly, on the 1st of January, 92, it was free. If you had enough paperwork to get from a doctor near you, you could go to Athens. Yeah. And now we're back to square where we were at that period. A very retrograde step. And then, if, of course, if, if, say, for instance, you were shipping this studio to, um, to Paris, um, everything has a 10-digit code. To make out the paperwork, you need a 10-digit code. So you've probably got 50 10-digit codes 
to work on. Yeah. So you form a list and you create a, t- a transit document and if everything doesn't match up, it's it's a problem. And, and Jim, does, does common sense never kind of prevail in these scenarios? Common sense isn't as common as everyone thinks it is, Bobby. No, I know that. But <laughs> I just think that, you know, you know, that you get, you absolutely get overwhelmed with, you know, with, with, with bureaucracy, with form filling, with, and eventually, you know, it finds its own level and people find a way at working it. Yeah, well, Rosler, in fairness, the, the, the direct shipping routes, routes to Europe have are, are a partial solution. But there, there's a cost attached to it. I mean, if you're trying to get from Dublin to Hamburg, you don't need to be going by Cherbourg. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, in terms of flexibility, what you could zip through England, you know, you could leave, for instance, the Hook of Holland on the nighttime ferry and you'd be in whole, home in Dublin for your tea the following evening. Uh, com- legally compliant, a short, zippy route across England. Nowadays, you have to pick everything in advance. You're, you, you pick your route, and if you go to change the route, then that's a whole headache. Yeah. Uh, so it's not simple. You know, we thought when it came in first, they'd come up with a simple route that you'd have, you'd appear in Hollyhead, and the guy would check the seal on the back of your container and take, stamp your paperwork, go to Dover, and somebody else's stamp. <laughs> I, I entered England, I left England, good luck. But it doesn't work like that. Right, okay. There's me trying to simplify everything too much again. Aidan, let's look at some of the other uh, issues maybe around uh, the industry. Uh, what about, and I'm going to ask Paul about yes. this specifically, but what about the move to uh, greener fuels and again, uh, the, the industry doing its part uh, when we look at, at the challenges that we have yeah. around the whole green agenda? Well, just before I get to that, Bobby, I want to really say we're the lead proposal for two apprenticeship programs, the Logistics Associate and the driver apprentice, Commercial Driver Apprenticeship Programme. And it's it's really important in terms of the work that we're doing as an industry to promote ourselves. And this is a third-level qualification yeah, for the, a... The HGV Driver Apprenticeship Programme is trying to focus on attracting younger people and okay. women into the industry. And it's the first apprenticeship programme of its kind. Well, Europe. I think that's a great initiative. You know, and so, I hope it's supported. Yeah, exactly. And that's uh, what we're all trying to do. And, and the Logistics Supply Chain Skills Group, I have to say, that collaborative approach is massively important in delivering solutions okay. for our industry. I'm going to ask... The green agenda, right? I'm going to ask Paul about yeah. the green agenda because okay. I know right. he's doing something yeah. Yeah, 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 with yeah. his fleet. First of all, yeah. tell us about your fleet, Paul. How many trucks have you? And just give us a size of... A, 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 a sense of the scale... Of your business, we're running about forty-two trucks at the moment. Right, and, um, we're just in the right in the process now of changing to HVO fuel. Now, explain that to our listeners. So, these are forty-two trucks that are using diesel, diesel to yeah. get around the thirty-two counties of Ireland. Yes, and you're making a change to HVO, fuel. HVO, which is hydrated vegetable oil. So, basically, co- used cooking oil. It's it comes from plant growing plants, but. Uh, uh, yes, and I'm interested in that because yeah. I, I my research tells me that it used to cost more than diesel, but now it costs less. And 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 I I want to ask you in terms of the cost of transition. Yes. Uh, so for you to make the step with your 42 trucks, what's the process in changing? There's, so there's, that they're compatible. There's no process because the once your engine is deemed a Euro six engine, it's compatible with HVO. Wow! And all of our fleets, and to be fair, mo- most hauliers' fleets are Euro six now. So, the haulage industry really wants to be green. We we have no problem with. We well, want to, the, the obvious question I have for you then is: yes. Why isn't everybody doing this? It's going to happen now. The, is it? Yes, and the issue will be. We were just discussing before we come in. The, um, will there be enough HVO? So to go and and how much will it cost? Because yes, I presume yeah, you don't yeah. have any 
it's, any it's, crystal ball in terms of it may be less than diesel at the moment. Well, yeah, sorry, Paul, but just in terms of the HVO, sorry, yeah. Paul, uh, that's the real challenge for it because mm-hmm. it's not ring fence for transport. So data centres are buying up millions of litres of HVO because it's long life lasting, so it can last 10 years in a tank. Um, and there is challenges around certification around it. So it's a transitionary fuel. So through the Climate Action Plan, we, we have a bit of a pathway. But I think what Paul said is industry is ambitious to change to alternatively fueled greener uh. things. But I think government is, is challenged with keeping up with the pace of change mm-hmm. and infrastructure and all the supports that are needed to make it cost um, beneficial for industry is, is where the focus needs to be. So now. when will you be live on this, Paul? Uh, oh, within, if we can get enough um, stations, fuel stations to, to have so am I right saying Circle K are putting infrastructure in that yeah, will yeah, we'll make yeah, sure that, yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that so that obviously gives you a network it's all across positive, the yeah. country. Yeah, so yeah. within a couple of months we'll be 100% I, I would hope. Right. And as long as the pricing remains stable on HVO that it's um, I, I believe the government have made a and hats off that they've removed the carbon tax from HVO. Okay, that's so a that's very interesting development. We've had carbon tax for years. I mean, the, some that think government think is absolutely nutty. I mean, the Greens, every time the Green Minister comes on television to talk about transport, I feel like throwing a shoe at it because they're totally out of touch. Yes. I mean, I went to, I had, in the last recession, I had to get off my backside and get out to work in Europe because we nearly went bust because the collapse of the economy nearly took us down as well. Yeah. And the, when I got off the boat in Holland, I was flabbergasted when I saw the Dutch as usual. We love the Dutch in the transport sector because they're innovative, they're open to change, they're progressive, they have pipelines, railways, trams, trucks, everything works in Holland seamlessly. And, um, you know, the, 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 the 40-foot trailers that we had in this country, the Dutch stuck a 20-foot on behind it. So they were moving 60-foot of freight around with the same tractor unit. Wow. So it's these kind of innovations. There's as much to be gained. I mean, even the Germans, for all their greenness, the Germans are run the trucks that we had here in the, in the early 80s. They're stuck at 40-ton gross. Yes. Some of my trucks can only have a 10-ton cargo limit in Europe because they're 30-ton empty. But you imagine Germany is a country that produces huge amounts of steel. So most of the standard, bog-standard Arctics that are running around Germany are leaving 4-ton of payload behind for the sake of fitting an extra axle. So there's all this woolly thinking going on and they're not picking the low-hanging yeah. fruit. I mean, yeah. the Swedes were had 65-ton gross Arctics when my father bought his first Scania in 1972 and we couldn't get over how the Swedish trucks, the Volvos and the Scanias were so well-engineered compared to the British ones because they were operating at double the weights. Yes. So there's an awful lot of lazy thinking and the other thing that we really ought to get over in this country is we produce a tenth of 1% of the world's carbon according to a man I trust, Colin McCarthy. So... We have our knickers in a wad over all these, jumping these hurdles. And if we went carbon free tomorrow, carbon neutral, it's like throwing a bucket out behind a super tank expecting to slow the world down. Yeah. You know, there's enough that I've horse manure spoken mm-hmm. about, about this project. We all have to be involved. Can, I mean, climate I change has happened since we, the, we had the Ice Age. Yeah. So climate is always changing. So our ability to influence it, I often wonder, no matter how pure we are, how green we are, is, is, is open to question. I, I think it's linking it in with the business strategic perspective, do you know? So if you invest in eco-driver training, for instance, we do it, we're saving 3.2 litres per 100 kilometres, which is around five and a half grand the cost for a business, which is around 10 tonnes of carbon per vehicle. So there's elements and ways of doing this the type of stuff okay. where, where there's a net benefit to, to the organisations as well. Finally, I want to ask about the traffic congestion on the quays. Uh, and again, there was some... <laughs> Uh, a lot of debate in the last couple of weeks, and I see you all raising your eyes to have. But is it is it like why are why are trucks going through 
the city centre when they is it because they've nowhere else to go? Yeah, but some trucks are actually delivering in the city centre, so they have to go in. There's no yeah. no alternative, and most trucks use Dublin Port, the Port Tunnel. Trucks don't go into, if, if they were all to go into the city centre, we'd be going nowhere. We're Can going nowhere anyway. No poor tunnel. What it'd be like. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was I, yeah. that was a battle yeah. I fought long and hard <laughs> with your old friend George Hook, and, and glad to yeah. see the surroundings are much more salubrious now than they were then, Bobby. Yes. All right, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you to all of the hauliers today. Uh, firstly, to Eugene Drennan, uh, who spoke to us on the phone earlier, to James Quinn, to Paul Toner, and indeed to Aidan Flynn. Thanks for letting us into your world, and we'll talk to you again soon. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.